Will you give it up for Jesus? Come on, has he done anything for you? Did he wake you up this morning? Amen. Before we get into the word this morning, I would like to take just a few moments to give honor where honor is due, not just because that's the thing that you do, but because it's in my heart to do. And, and I know Pastor Steve and his wife Donna are not here this morning, but I know that they're watching. And I just give honor to Pastor Steve. We're standing with you. We're believing with you. And I'm thankful for your service for over 30 years to this body of believers. I'm so thankful for that and to see your example. I love it. And to Pastor Caleb and your wife, Ashley, thank you for your investment into me, for seeing something in me. He saw me on Facebook. Everybody knows Pastor Caleb loves Facebook. And he saw me on Facebook and saw something in me, so I'm thankful for that. I remember we were at a restaurant one time, and he, he was in front of me in line to pay for his food, and then he paid for his. I got in line behind him, and I went to pay for mine, and they said, your dad paid for it. <laughs> and I asked him, I said, Pastor, did you pay for it? He said, no, I didn't. So I don't know what happened. But anyways, Isaiah chapter 5, if you've got your Bible, Isaiah chapter 5. I want to preface by saying that I did not come to preach you happy. I came to preach you holy. I believe that I have a word from the Lord, and is anybody hungry for the word this morning? Is anybody ready for the word of the Lord this morning? Isaiah chapter 5, verse 20, it says this, Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for for darkness, that put bitter for sweet, and sweet for bitter. Woe unto them that call evil good, and good evil. I want to take a few moments today to talk to you from the subject of backwards generation. A backwards generation. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this gathering. I thank you, Lord, for this body of believers. I thank you, Lord, for the word of the Lord that is delivered in this house. I thank you for the leadership of this house and the people of this house. God, I pray that the words that are delivered in these next few moments, God, that the impact that they have would last long after we leave the doors of this building today. God, I pray that you would use me to deposit this word in the hearts of your people in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen, a backwards generation. I want to start by telling you that we as Christians are professional at rubbernecking. What is that? When you think about rubbernecking, it's when you're in the car and a wreck has happened and you're focused more on the wreck that has happened than you are the road that is in front of you. And what happens when you rubberneck when you're driving is that most of the time you increase your chances of wrecking too. Because you are more focused on what is beside you that is bad instead of what is in front of you that is good. And you increase your chances 
of rubbernecking. And I just want to tell you as I lay a foundation this morning that we as Christians are sitting back and rubbernecking as the morality and spiritual climate of America is decreasing and decreasing and decreasing. And all the while we're sitting back and watching it and saying this world is wicked and this world is evil. And the only thing that we contribute to help that and to be a solution is we warm the seats in church. But as we heard last week, we have been saved not to sit in the seats of a church, not to sit in the pews of a church. We have been saved to serve. Can I get an amen in the place this morning? I'm reminded of the story that we've been hearing since we've been in children's church. We've heard it all of our lives, the story of Peter stepping out of the boat to walk on the water towards Jesus. Jesus said, come, and Peter stepped out of the boat. And I just want to use that story this morning to remind you not to focus on what is going on around you as much as you focus on the God that is standing right in front of you. And if you will do that, you will walk on what other people drown in. If you will take your eyes off of the declining spiritual climb, I'm not saying ignore it. We need to focus on it. But you have an assignment that is a solution to the declining spiritual climate of America. And if you only focus on what's going on around you, you become a slave to and a byproduct of your circumstances. I want to encourage you and pull out from this story in the Bible about Peter that, that Peter became what he beheld. He became what he beheld. You become what you behold. This is why we get up every Sunday and we tell you to spend time in the Word because you become what you behold. If you always behold what's going on around you, you'll become a, pro a, a byproduct of what is going on around you. But if you want to be Christ-like, you've got to behold the Lord through prayer and you've got to behold the Lord through worship and you've got to behold the Lord through spending time in the Word and behold the Lord through gathering with other believers. You become what you behold. It's because your life goes in the direction of your strongest thoughts. This is why the Bible says, do not be conformed to this world but to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Why? That you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You become what you behold. Do you know why this generation is going in a backwards direction? It's because they think backwards. It's because we've been confused in our minds. It's because we scroll on TikTok and we get indoctrinated by people who have no care or concern for our well-being and for our souls. And we're being indoctrinated by the doctrines of devils. You become what you behold. Second Chronicles chapter 7. I want you to turn there. Second Chronicles chapter 7. Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. 
This is a very familiar verse. God said this, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. What I find interesting in this piece of scripture is that God is not speaking to the world. He's not speaking to sinners. God said, if my people, which are called by my name, he's speaking to the church. He said, if the church will turn from their wicked ways, if my people will turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. I just think it's time for a return and a revival to holiness in the body of Christ. I'm not talking about legalism where it's all about an outward appearance. I'm talking about holiness in the heart of man. I'm talking about being people that are people after God's own heart and we're hungry for the Lord and we can't wait to get up on a Sunday morning and worship with our brothers and our sisters. It's time that we get back to the glory of the Lord. Somebody shout amen. We've got to turn from our wicked ways. And I want to encourage you because when you think about the word turn, if you turn from something, you have to turn to something. And the reason that some people try to turn from sin, but then they turn back to it, is because they turned from sin, but they did not turn to the Lord. And when you turn from sin without turning to the Lord, you turn back to sin. And the only effective way to turn from sin and to stay away from sin is to turn to the Lord. You've got to taste and see that the Lord is good. If you want to see... If we want to see a move of God, we've got to first see a move of man. James chapter 4 verse 8 says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. It does not say, see I don't want you to get it twisted. It does not say that God will draw near to you and then you draw near to him. It says you take the first step. You draw near to the Lord and then he draws near back to you. But you have to be intentional. When you move, God moves. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 7, Jesus said, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find Knock, and it will be open to you. But all three of those things require that you make the first move. You ask, and then it will be given. You seek, and then you will find. You knock, and then it will be open to you. We have to quit sitting back, rubbernecking, and waiting on the Lord to send a revival. Jesus said, you are the revival that I'm sending. Sometimes we have to have a heart attitude that says, here am I. Send me. I'm not waiting for you to send the preacher. I'm not waiting for you to send the pastor. I'm not waiting for you to send the evangelist or the missionary. Lord, I'm a willing vessel, and I'm willing to be used. Here am I, sin be. Somebody shout, sin me. God moves when you move. God is an if you will, I will, God. You've got to be obedient because obedience is what activates God to move. 
We cannot sit back and wait on the Lord. The Lord is waiting on us. Obedience is what activates the Lord to move. I want to tell you that we have two extremes of doctrine that is unhealthy to the body of Christ in today's church world. Two extremes. The first one is that anything goes. You can live any way that you want to live. You can do anything that you want to do. Say anything that you want to say. Hang out with anyone you want to hang out with. We, well, we say, you know, well, well, Jesus ate with sinners. He ate with them. He did not sin with them. And we have this mindset that says that anything goes because God loves you and God, God loves everyone. And yes, that is part of the story. But I think that sometimes we forget that love looks like discipline. And we forget that love is not just goosebumps and butterflies and makes me feel good in the middle of a worship song. Sometimes love looks like discipline. And we have this idea that, you know, come as you are. And that's absolutely true. And God accepts you as you are. And that's true. But God loves you too much to allow you to stay where you are. Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 2 says, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. God forbid. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Listen, a sheep can get in the mud, but only pigs can live in the mud. I don't know if you heard what I said. A sheep can get in the mud, but only pigs live in the mud. What I'm saying is that you might slip up, you might fall, you might make a mistake, but don't stay there when you make that mistake. Get back up, get out of the mud, and start serving the Lord again. The first extreme is that anything goes. It's an overemphasis on the grace of God. The other extreme is that nothing goes. I'm talking about a self-righteous, legalistic mindset and attitude that trusts more in my righteousness than in the righteousness of God. I'm talking about this attitude that says if it makes you grin, it must be sin. Where you can't have any joy and you can't laugh and you can't smile and you can't joke and you can't have fun. I know that I'm serious about my relationship with the Lord, but sometimes the best thing you can do is smile. Sometimes the, the best thing you can do is laugh. We, sometimes we want the Lord to come down and change everything about our situation, and he's just saying, laugh, smile, get your joy back. In his presence is fullness of joy. At his right hand are pleasures forevermore. Seriousness is not a fruit of the Spirit. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit. I'm talking about this, this mindset, this teaching that, that it's more about how you look than how you live. I'm talking about you have to wear a suit. There's nothing wrong with that, but I'm talking it's about the appearance rather than how you live. It's a, it's a holiness that starts on the outside and works in rather than how it should be, which is a holiness that starts in the heart and works out. We're bashing people because they're, they're babes in Christ and they don't know how to dress yet. But if you would get their heart, you would change the way they dress. 
Quit working on the outward appearance first. Get to their heart. It's this mindset, like I said, that trusts more in my own righteousness than in the righteousness of Christ and what he did on the cross. And, and somewhere along the line, when these people had this mindset, these, these preachers had this mindset, what happens is somewhere along the line, it goes from trusting in his righteousness to trusting in mine. And then as a result, there becomes an attitude of pride. And an attitude of self-righteousness, but I just want to remind the body of Christ that true holiness will not make you prideful. True holiness will make you humble. And I believe in holiness. I believe that there is a standard. I believe that you can't just live any way that you want to live. What I'm referring to is when we act like the blood of Jesus is not enough. Two extremes. Anything goes and nothing goes. Proverbs chapter 2, starting at verse 10. Proverbs 2, verses 10 through 15. It says, when wisdom enters your heart and knowledge is pleasant to your soul, discretion will preserve you. Understanding will keep you. To deliver you from the way of evil, from the man who speaks perverse things, from those who leave the paths of uprightness, to walk in the ways of darkness, who rejoice in doing evil, and delight in the perversity of the wicked, whose ways are crooked or backwards or twisted, and who are devious in their paths. We're, we're living in the middle of a backwards generation, and God is calling us to straighten up this generation. We've got to be the light, and we've got to be the salt that God is calling us to be. Before I, before I go into what I'm about to say, I just want to preface that it is not my heart to, to call out any one particular sin and leave anything else out or to be dogmatic on one issue over the other. It's not my heart to say anything from a self-righteous attitude but to preach the truth in love. Can I go down the list? I said, can I go down the list? I want to tell you that it's backwards to indulge in the pleasures of a marriage outside of the confines of a marriage. It's backwards for a man to be in a relationship with another man and for a woman to be in a relationship with another woman. It's backwards when the rainbow becomes a symbol of the pride of sinful man rather than a reminder of God's promise. And when you think about this particular sin, it used to be a sin that was shameful. And then as we got more godless, it became a sin that was no longer shameful, but a sin that was tolerated. And then we moved past that, and it became a sin that was accepted. And nowadays, not only, is it shame, not only has it moved past that, but it, now it is celebrated. 
You're bold and you're brave if you come out of the closet. You're, you're brave if you do these things. And, and not only did it used to be something that was shameful, it used to predominantly be something that was committed by those who were old enough to make their own decisions. And now, unfortunately, we have a young generation, even down to elementary school, we have little young boys who think that they're supposed to be attracted to other young boys. And we have young girls who think that they're supposed to be attracted to other young girls. And, and it's because they've been indoctrinated and they've not been raised with the fear of the Lord, and I'm concerned and I'm warning the body of Christ that if we do not raise the standard, not only will we disregard gender, we'll disregard age. And it'll all be in the name of the agenda that is already being pushed that love is love. But my Bible does not tell me that love is love, my Bible tells me that God is love. And a love without a holy God guiding it and giving it boundaries is dangerous to the lover and the one being loved. God is love. And we want to talk about, well, you know, I was born that way. And I'm not saying I agree with that, but if you want to stick with that and say I was born that way, then that's why you've got to be born again. I wish somebody would help me preach in this place today. I feel like revival might just break out. I feel like God might just do something in this place today. I feel like we might just see a young generation get on fire for the Lord. And if that's something you're struggling with, there's transformation power in the blood of Jesus Christ. Can I have somebody shout amen in this place today? Let me move on. It's backwards for a male to believe that they were supposed to be a female and a female to believe that they were supposed to be a male. It's backwards when we're more concerned about the rights of animals than we are the rights of the unborn. It's backwards. I got to keep moving. It's backwards to trust in the creation rather than the creator. That's why I don't understand all this zodiac and this astrology and this new ageism that is spiritual but not Christian. This new age religion that is spiritual but not Christian. And the issue when you open yourself up to things that are spiritual but not Christian, what happens without you realizing it is you open yourself up to witchcraft and to the demonic. You've got to be careful not to open up yourself to things that are spiritual but not Christian. I don't trust in the moon or the stars. I trust in the one who created the moon and the stars. My sign is not Pisces or Cancer or anything like that. My sign is saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Ghost. It's backwards to expect the promises of God without first going through the process. We want the promise, but we do not want the process. My generation, we want everything now. We're plagued with something that is called microwave Christianity. It's when you think about a microwave, when you put the food in, you get it back quickly. But the issue is that it's hot on the outside, but cold in the middle. 
And if you would allow the Lord to put you in the oven, it might take longer. You might go through a process. But not only will you look the part on the outside, you'll be the part on the inside. Can I have somebody help me preach today? It's microwave Christianity. It's backwards when you want the spotlight, but you don't want to serve. It's backwards when you want a microphone, but you don't want a mop. It's backwards when you're more focused on church membership than kingdom discipleship. If you would train them up to be a kingdom disciple, you wouldn't have to convince them to be a church member. It's backwards when we change the word or twist the word to accommodate our lives instead of changing our lives to accommodate the word. It's backwards when we sin more because we have received grace instead of sinning less because we have received grace. Can I quote the same scripture I quoted a minute ago? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Somebody say amen. If I've not stepped on your toes yet, hold on. I'll be down your row in a minute. It's backwards when we elevate the traditions of man over and above the commandments of God. There's nothing wrong with traditions. There's nothing wrong with rules. There's nothing wrong with order or with regulations. The issue is when you think that your traditions, your rules, your regulations, and your order save you, keep you saved, or make you holier than your neighbor. Can I remind you that true holiness does not make you prideful. It makes you humble. And I want to say that that's the issue with why we don't see more young people in the church. Because we're so stuck in our ways. We're so stuck in traditions. It's always done. We've always done it this way. It's always worked this way. I'm not saying to change the message, but I am saying that sometimes you got to change the method. And I think that what this younger generation needs from the older generation is less condemnation and more demonstration. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 4 through 5 says, And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit And of power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. This younger generation does not need any more of your self-imposed rules, regulations, or preferences. What they need is an experience and an encounter with the living God. 
Maybe they'd be in church if they wouldn't get looked down upon from the moment they walk in the doors because they're not wearing what you're wearing, and they don't look like what you look like, and they're not where you are in your walk with Christ. They're not going to be where you are in your walk with Christ. They are a babe in Christ, and they've got to be fed the milk of the word before they can get the meat of the word. Quit feeding babies meat. Holiness starts in and works out. Can I continue? It's backwards when your child is the one deciding whether or not they want to go to church. Can I remind you, encourage you, and empower you that you are the parent? Make them go. They are living in your house rent-free, breathing your air, eating your food, taking up your space. They're going to get up, and they're going to go to church. If they're going to eat today, they're going to get up, and they're going to go to church. If they want to sleep in that bed, they're going to get up and go to church. It's not even their phone. It's your phone. You paid for it. You're just letting them borrow it. Tell them to put the phone down, get up, we're going to church. The Bible says, train up a child in the way that they should go. And when they're old, they will not depart from it. If you don't train them up in the way they should go, somebody will train them in the way they shouldn't go. You don't make school an option. It's backwards. When you're more concerned about the style of the song rather than the God you're singing to. It's backwards when Pentecost becomes a denomination and a style rather than a movement and an experience. It's backwards when that convicts me is exchanged for that offends me. It's backwards when we are great at being church people, but horrible at being kingdom people. It's backwards when food becomes comfort rather than nourishment. It's backwards when your first instinct is to gossip about them instead of praying for them. It's backwards to point out the speck in my eye when there's a plank in your own. It's backwards when you judge someone else's worship, but you're not even worshiping. It's backwards when you speak in tongues, but cuss in English. It's backwards when you preach real good, but you cuss even better. It's backwards when you talk like a Christian, but you live like the devil. Somebody look at your neighbor and say, straighten up. Jesus is coming back, and you better get right or you're going to get left. Jesus said, these people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. They know how to look the part. They know how to act like a Christian and talk like a Christian and say, I'm blessed and highly favored. But then they're sinning and they're, and they're sleeping around and they're doing all the things that make them the opposite of what they're telling you. Romans chapter 10 Verse 3, Romans 10, verse 3, says, For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness, 
and seeking to establish their own righteousness have not submitted to the righteousness of God. Turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 5, and the band can go ahead and begin making their way up. 2 Timothy 3, verses 1 through 5. It says, but know this, but know this, that in the last days perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. And from such people, turn away. From such people, turn away. You've got to turn. Romans chapter 1. This is the scripture I'm ending with. Romans chapter 1. I'm going to start at verse 18. This is a lot. We're going to go quickly. Romans 1, starting at verse 18. If you've got it, say amen. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness because what may be known of God is manifest in them. For God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools." And changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man. And birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. Therefore God also gave them up to uncleanness and the lust of their hearts. To dishonor their bodies among themselves. Who exchanged the truth of God for the lie. And worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to vile passions, for even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. Likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust for one another, men with men, committing what is shameful and and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error, which was due. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting, being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, 
evil-mindedness. They are whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful. And then the last verse, who knowing the righteous judgment of God, that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. We're living in a backwards generation. If everyone would stand to their feet all across the room this morning, we are the light of the world. We are the salt of the earth. We are the revival. God wants to use us to birth the revival that we're praying for. We can't pray for a revival and not be the revival. Faith without works is dead. You can't just come to church and worship and have a good service and have church. Theologically, having church doesn't make sense. I know what people mean when they say it. I've said it. Let's have church. But you don't have church. You are the church. We are the church. We have service. We are the church. It's time for the church to be the church. It's time for the body of Christ to be the body of Christ. Day by day, the world is getting darker and darker. And, and I, don't, I don't believe in being doom and gloom every Sunday. I believe that God is, is pouring out his spirit in a greater way than he ever has before. I believe that he will pour out his spirit in the last days. So this is not doom and gloom. This is a wake-up call for the church. This is for the church to be the church. This is for us to be the people that God has called us to be. There's something different. I'm not, I'm not comparing churches to churches. We're all the body of Christ. But there's something special about this body of believers. There's something unique about this body of believers. I've never seen a people, a body of, of believers wanting to serve so much. I've never seen a people of God that are so willing and ready to serve at the drop of a hat. It blesses me and it blesses the people around you. And whether you realize the difference you're making or not, it blesses everyone that you are serving. And I'm thankful to be a part of this body of believers.